From historic Filipino town in Los Angeles, California, I'm Michael Yunez. I'm Daniel Crook. And this is Hot Dog Bananas. Slick! Um, yeah, Belloc, <laughs> one of the great uh, serial adventure villains of all time. General Hux, not so much. Do you think we'd get an origin story for Belloc now? For- <laughs> Like a spin-off movie where we learn about his. Um, we're gonna get like like if we're gonna get anthology Indiana Jones films. Right. God, I hope not. No. I, we would never get that. That's never gonna happen. No. If I found out that was gonna happen, I would find out where the Ark of the Covenant is. I, I would open it and just stare straight at it. Though like I, I would take a Marion Ravenwood adventure. Of course I would. Are you kidding me? No, that I'm cool with that. I'm and cool you with get that. Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Or. Um, <laughs> No, no, who, we were just watching the, Ty West's House of the Devil. Yeah. And I can't remember the actress's name. I looked her up. The lead in that film looks a lot like Karen Allen. And it helps that her hair is all feathered like Karen Allen's is in American Graffiti. Animal House. Oh, yeah. Might right. be a good example. Right. Swish! So you finished The People vs. O.J. Simpson. I finished The People vs. O.J. Simpson. All right. Um, yeah, give me a couple thoughts. I'm uh, three. I, so I need to watch eight, nine, and ten. So I'm three episodes behind. I think they should show it in schools. I mean, it, just at a look at where the justice system can fail, where the media can fail, and where we can fail each other as a society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you, I think in um, I took a media liter, uh, media literacy course in the seventh or eighth grade, and I think you show it in that class too. Yeah, man. But I also was, like right now, I just like I just want to go to Whole Foods with Chris Darden and you know build a salad. Yo, man, Chris Darden, like the way they set that character up, just kind of have him simmering under the under the surface until he gets his big moment. And I guess I haven't gotten to the big moment yet, but there's been a number of well, there have been a number of big moments uh, involving Johnny Cochran and Chris Darden Mm -hmm. sparring. And I think that is the those are the most memorable and best scenes in the show. And they're the ones that I'm going to remember when I think about it. Well, and Sarah Paulson and Sarah Paulson is her Marsha, Marsha, Marsha episode. That that's one of the better acting showcases of, of, of any, like any stand. Well, I'll just be crass about it. Any, sub, any Emmy submission episode that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That, that is pretty much a hallmark for me. They each kind of get their showcase episodes to an extent, not necessarily as explicitly as the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha episode. But there are certainly episodes where Travolta is given an opportunity to shine, which that character love, love, love how he is just reduced to a joke with every line. I agree. And I and I think that what he does on this show and that he he when, when the show starts, you think he's the hot shot. You think he is the Johnny Cochran character. He is sort of the, the sort Golly, of, yeah, the, like the, the puppet master type thing. And he's clearly over his head. But the first time you see him, he's like a raconteur at a, at a, at a dinner or, or a lunch or something. But you can sense that that's totally false. No, of and then you just see that, that getting chipped away. I completely agree with you. My favorite Travolta scene is uh, there's the whole episode where they're leaking stories to the press that he's in over his head and and he goes on a Hawaiian vacation for some reason. That's a great time to do that. So when he comes back um, and he's in his Hawaiian shirt, freaking out that they've been cutting him out. In a Hawaiian uh, shirt. Key. So there's the meeting with all the attorneys and Nathan Lane's character sold him out. F. Lee Bailey. F. Lee Bailey sold him out or whatever to the press. Uh, and he will not, he refuses to be in a room with Lee. Um, and then when he finally sucks it up and goes into the room, he just sits down and he just looks at Lee and goes, Judas. And then Nathan Lane's delivery of the response where he's like, and I suppose that makes you Jesus. Why don't you blow it out your ass, Bob? 
I so like I haven't seen the finale, but I did see uh, on Twitter or Facebook or something. I guess he has some line in it where he he says to um, he says to Travolta, he says to Shapiro, like basically like shut up, or I'm gonna tell everybody that you're Jewish. Yeah, that was an ad lib. That was really? Oh, that's great. The great Nathan Lane, like, and, and and that's another fantastic performance in this. And it's it's he he is not stealing scenes because good luck getting that scene away from yeah. Courtney B. Vance. Yeah. But he is um, it, it's like misdemeanor level what he's doing in those scenes. Like it's still a crime. Well, yeah. I mean, he he would just occasionally come in and change everything with just one idea. That it, was it, impressive. The, the gloves were his idea. Let them do it. Let that let let the prosecution bring the it up. gloves and when he and and the the Furman cross examination where where he says like I'm just gonna ask him if he's ever used the word nigger mm-hmm. and that scene there was a lot of tension in that scene when he was just hanging out with uh with Cochran and Cochran's black associate and he just drops the word to them and they're like what yeah and he's like exactly my point That's the I'm point. using that word in the and courtroom. he came up with the idea when he was like three martinis in like <laughs> and, and, and 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 I I didn't know that they were gonna cut from that scene at the bar where they're already making fun of him because he's being the sloppy one out of the group they're all focusing on the case they're you know they're sipping on something but they're still working you know mm. and then he just drops that and then we cut to the courtroom like th- this was their lunch and when he does that the camera work in that courtroom when it's whipping oh, it's back ferocious. from lee to to Furman, it's so confrontational and like aggressive and just amazing drama in so that show do you understand why i'm i'm not super pissed off that i'm three episodes behind that I still have three more hours to watch of this you show. You still have three more hours to I am, watch. I am hoarding this. Like, I am excited like to, smog to, the dragon to finish thing. my second watch through with my roommate. Mm-hmm. Swish! Everybody wants some of that show. Not a good transition. No, but I, I everyone does want some of that show. I was thinking about how Dazed and Confused is Linklater's 70s... Uh, song, movie, 70s song title. choice title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody wants some for the 80s. So what would the 90s be? It's a tough question, only in that, as we were sort of talking about before, both of those titles, it's not like, th- those weren't just the biggest hits or, or the era-defining tracks. It's of also decades. about the title. Exactly. Dazed and Confused, far from era-defining songs. Right, but it's know? also, there are also different modes of quote-unquote classic rock, and so there's a, an amount of yeah. pressure when you pick yeah. your 90s, but I think my... So what are you looking at? Pearl Jam? Green uh, Day? I'm looking at The Breeders. <laughs> my movie's called Cannonball, or... I haven't really thought about my answer, but I think you might have to look at Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah. Smells like Teen Spirit. Duh. Yeah, that's a little too obvious. It's on the nose, but... But, yeah. I mean, Everybody Wants Some is an amazing title when you think about what it means in terms of the context of the movie. Like, what everyone's looking for. Everyone's searching for an identity. They're searching for a place in the world. That's what everybody wants. They Mm. want some place to call their own and some identity to call their own. But when I first heard that, I thought that was a little on the nose. I mean, not in the same way as Smells Like Teen Spirit would be, mm-hmm. but I, like, Dazed and Confused, you're talking about two, maybe they're telegraphed, but you're talking about two very specific states of being that tie in so directly with, you know, the um, the ambly stonerness of it. But I guess, but after seeing Everybody Wants Some, I, I obviously think the title's fantastic. Only, only bested by its two exclamation points. The two exclamation points, I think, are fine. I think they're kind of dumb in the movie when the title comes up. Yeah, but I, but I think that so much of this movie, when you're talking about the one-upmanship of these characters, especially no. the movie is about... It takes place the, the first weekend of the first semester of college. Our main character is a freshman who is coming in to be on the baseball team, and he mm-hmm. arrives at this 
it's a uh, essentially a frat house for the baseball players and yeah. it's about this group of baseball guys sort of partying and competing in low-key philosophizing for this long weekend but when those characters are so constantly trying to one-up one another and there's such an amped up like everyone's everyone's so amped up it's a competition it's of who can go harder yeah that's why it can't just be one exclamation point it's got to go two yeah sure i'll go with that explanation i think it's app <laughs> we're doing it right now we're, having we're doing it right now no that's good i like that so i'm here, into that so um just to get like super broad about it um and, and just make this uh get broad yeah man. i'll just get super we broad need, we need listeners dog we need we need we need to be oh, a no, real no, no. broad I'm not, I'm not saying i'm not gonna do crowd work <laughs> i'm not gonna get blue but i'm just saying like so what, what what's the movie about Tell could've me. Used, because could've this used movie a couple minions <laughs> no what is this movie about only because the thing about richard linkletter is that he is the king of the small scale epic that on the surface just seems like Again, just use the word again, sort of like a shaggy dog hangout piece of cinema where everybody's not much happens. It's so much more focused on the little moments than it is the losing of your virginity of the whole thing. Like the 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 dilemma and the stakes all come as part of the environment. Like they, they build as the film goes rather than setting it up in the first 10 minutes. It, it's a well-structured film, but it, it's a little more ethereal and ephemeral. Yeah, I think there I think there's totally value to a filmmaker just reflecting on his life and uh, not filling it with too, with like big dramatic beats um, and I think that's sort of always been his strength when you look at boyhood one of the things that I remember most about the experience of watching boyhood is I would constantly be in dread over some big moment around the corner like where's the tragedy gonna yeah, strike and, 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 you and, know uh, and on, then, on the count of three what's the moment you think of when when you think of that like one two three <laughs> all those guys hanging out in the construction site with the razor blades or whatever okay, the saw yeah. blades like, I, didn't, I didn't have anything ready like that well for me like, oh I, I know what, yeah yeah, yeah and I've heard no, that's a good example and i've heard it mentioned a couple times before and i and every time someone brings it up i realize that it's a universal feeling because when i was watching it when he when when he he lies to his mom or something about going to hang out with these guys and yeah. cut to they're just they're drinking beers they're throwing these saw blades like and they are all in close quarters one of those could go askew into someone's eye in any second and that whole scene i was like this is when mason loses his left ear yeah and then there's a in general i there was a feeling that uh that the mom was gonna die or the dad was gonna die or or there's a point where he's driving in the car after being warned not to text and drive and he's like and he's looking texting at and a yeah right right uh one specific example, and everybody wants some, on a smaller scale, because there's nothing life and death. It's not a life-encapsulating uh, film the way Boyhood is. Our main character, Jake, uh, is going to meet a girl at this theater party. He was specifically, privately invited to this party. Uh, and he doesn't want the guys to come, understandably, to mess up his whole thing. And when they do agree that they're all going to go to this party, you just think, oh, how is this going to go wrong? How are they going to ruin it for him? But it ends up being another fun party scene where all their personalities get to kind of flourish in their own ways and we continue to learn more about them. Partly because they're all pushed out of their comfort zone as they are several times in the yeah. movie. They have this shell, the idea of living in the baseball frat. They're golden gods. They're invincible. They can do whatever they want on campus. They're served beer for free at their local happy hour. All of this, it, it's it's it seems hermetically sealed, and that oh, the second they as the second that bubble pops, these guys are going to be, you know, they're going to be helpless and flailing, and that's not what it is. Every single time they get put into a new context, whether it's the disco, whether it's the cowboy bar, or whether it's the theater party, they end up learning more about themselves without Linkletter making a big deal out of it. Yeah. And just to add on to your point in terms of there being dread because of these beats that we expect, and one thing I think what Linkletter is doing is is he. 
he is smart enough to know that because we already know those beats, there's not anything you could possibly squeeze out of it that's new. And also, those don't tend to be the moments that define our lives. It's instead, you know, a conversation that we might have without microphones right here, just hanging out in your bedroom. Yeah, for you're instance. totally right. But I, you know, I, you're wondering like how it's all how it's all going to go wrong. I feel like what some people might bring into this movie when they see all these jocks is, oh, these are just a bunch of like intolerant. Uh, awful cis straight white males for the most part. So when's when's the gay bashing gonna happen? Mm. And it doesn't happen. Doesn't. And 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 I think that I think that in a way it's really brave that Linklater makes a movie that I don't think that it, that it's a celebration of bros. But no. but the fact that he that he focuses in on like this specific group of guys who are pretty much widely hated like right now for the yeah. for the most part and instead of and instead of um instead of buying into all those stereotypes shares his own experience which was that he was with a group of people who surely um ha- had sort of a bloated self-importance but a lot of them were willing to listen and learn yeah there's like there's a whole other side to the amped up masculinity like there's some you know finn played by glenn powell the guy I, from it, Scream Queens. He who is a scene stealer in Scream Queens, and he is equally impressive here. And I think of all the actors, he's the one who I would guess could go on to a really stellar career. Swish! Sometimes it may seem a little superficial that that he sort of puts on that kind of intelligent language just to... Uh, That's professorial pipe-in-the-mouth tone. Yeah, well, he kind of gets off on being a, a subversive character, mm-hmm. you know? E- even though he's hardly the most subversive character in the group when you look at someone like Willoughby, or even Jake turns out to be a real freak. It's true, but he's the one who's always sort of pontificating on... Right, uh, right. I think that, I think that on the surface, you look at that character and you think... What a pretentious guy! Like he, totally. he, here is a jock who thinks that he that his IQ is through the roof. How insufferable to listen to him mm-hmm. work through these whims of uh, fancy or uh, you know whatever you want to call it. And if you are going to take that at face value, that he is like that that Linkletter clearly thinks this guy is a total genius, that he is the philosopher poet mm-hmm. of the group then you are completely ignoring the fact that these guys are proven wrong time and time again, even though they claim to know everything. That's what so much of the movie is about. Just uh, look where he chooses. Like, uh, it's such a big part of the movie, they even mention it at one point, that everything is a competition. Even when they're smoking weed, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to break the record for most... And I I can slap your knuckles harder, and I can beat you in ping pong, and I can pick up more girls. See, but they keep it to those sort of unimportant things the fraternity of of a sports team is valued more in this group than right. the competition between them like not, no competition is ever important enough that their friendship or their bond as a team is in jeopardy no because I, Linklater clearly has respect for that being a baseball guy himself so he's not interested in shitting on jocks yeah like, these are probably the most lovable jocks I've seen in on film. They're probably, I mean, probably ever for me, but yeah. I also can't profess to be super well versed in the Jock movie. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, but can't I think, think of I any think examples. they're totally lovable, and 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 when just because I don't see when else it's going to come up, unless you just want to talk about what a um, what a buffet of delicious delights this movie is in terms of just very small moments that oh, yeah. are wonderful. And when the when the five guys in the car, like this, is right after two of the guys who are freshmen have been introduced into the group, and so five of them are in this car, and they're singing along to Rapper's Delight. And they sing the and whole ha- song. Well, they don't much. sing the whole. The whole song is like yeah. They, they sing. They sing probably two verses they, for a few minutes. It's on yeah. camera for sure. And when people talk about Linkletter, you know, not really knowing his way around a camera, like mm-hmm. it's like there's there's no shot variety or whatever. Like yeah, I, I think when silly. I think when you 
when you ask like how are you going to interestingly shoot something in a car that com- that stays compelling and entertaining when when they're doing one action he is cutting throughout the whole thing and what he focuses on are these individual moments with the characters yeah you, you know you you think that it's you think that it's unfussy which it is but just to, to think that there's no motivation in it because you couldn't put it on one perfect shot is yeah. ridiculous well, I, his screenplays his stories aren't fussy his characters aren't fussy nobody's movies breathe like richard Linklater's exactly, right now exactly man yeah dude Switch! it seems like everybody likes this film and everybody wants some of everybody wants some yeah but when i hear certain detractions about it that it's about nothing that it has nothing on its mind that's totally true i really really get tired of the criticism of any movie that nothing happens because it something always happens yeah. in these movies you're looking at these images for a long period of yeah, time there are things happening yeah, the movie is nearly two hours too. i don't even know how to argue that point anymore when people like i, I remember arguing with somebody about a serious man and they argued it's one of those movies where nothing happens. I'm like, are you even, insane? Even though one man's soul is being challenged by God after one, you know, running into one concrete wall after another, that's not something happening? What? Spiritually, that's not something happening? I guess I seriously want to know, like, what constitutes something happening in a movie? Because so much happens and everybody wants some. I guess, are they saying that not enough obviously significant uh, yeah, events occur? No, 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 that's a, I think that's exactly what people are saying. I hate that. No. Swish! And it's not a movie that uh, I've ever thought too much to compare to other college party movies, which I think is to the film's credit. Mm-hmm. I suppose there's such a douchey, broy, fratty vibe to all those uh, college party comedies. And this one sidesteps that in a really interesting way while still kind of keeping what I think people like about those movies. Right. Well, it's that this, the it... parties are extravagant and they're fun and they remind you of what it was like in college. It's the same reason why a movie like Dazed and Confused hits all of the, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it satisfies you on the high school movie. But at the same time, it is so much more laconic than yeah. anything else you see. I mean, that Definitely. movie, the movie's not slow, but it has plenty of patches without anything tremendously exciting going on. It's true. And when you talk about, you know, uh, everybody wants some as a quote unquote spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. Yeah. It, it is more, it is closer to that film than it is Animal House, even though it certainly has a lot of similarities with Animal House. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about gender and I want to talk about how Dazed and Confused has some of the best female characters, like some of my favorite female characters in anything. Fan- there's, there, there's a, and, and the movie spends about equal time with the guys and with the girls. Yeah. This movie does not. No. This, mo- this movie is completely focused on the guys, even though I think you could arguably say with a female gaze on their bodies and their actions. And like, it's a hot, sexy movie for somebody like me. Very homoerotic. Yeah. Super homoerotic. And and Kyle Buchanan wrote an amazing piece on Vulture about like the accidental, um, you know, homoeroticness yeah, of it. Yeah, it's a great piece, but it's I don't agree piece. about the accidental I, I, agree, I agree with yeah. you on that too. And I actually, I can't, I don't, I don't work for Vulture. I don't know him. I don't know what he was thinking. But I, that, that to me seems more like a headline that, that the editor, he's the editor for all I know. Mm. Like it's, it, it gra- it's a little punchier. It grabs your attention. Like, oh, they made this mistake and it turned out to be something like Top Gun, for instance, even though Top Gun is referenced in the piece. Yeah, I mean, I think the better the better headline would, would imply like you didn't know, like yes, you yeah, wouldn't totally, realize totally. it, but yeah. um, everybody well, we, we wants were talking last pretty week, gay. We were talking last week about how um, uh, it's not a direct correlation, but just there's a word I want to use. And we talked last week about how Zack Snyder tries to do this female empowerment thing in Sucker Punch, and it ends mm. up just it feels very upskirt. Yeah, this movie also feels upskirt, yeah. <laughs> but but it, but not not in an um, well, it is an exploitative way, but it's not it's not about like simple sexual gratification. These guys know they have amazing bodies. You mm-hmm. have, uh, is it McReynolds who, who's, uh, you know, uh, twerking a little bit, like just going <laughs> on and on about the butt, like. 
clearly these guys are obsessed with the way that they look. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to situate us in their world, the camera should be too. But what I was going to say is, is that if you think about in Linkletter is very interested in young adult and adolescent spheres Mm. and contexts. And when you look at dazed and confused, think about high school and in high school you're doing co-ed mingling all the time. Yeah. And then there's the guy group and there's the girl group, but they always come together. And in college, I mean, I wasn't in a frat. I mean, we both were film students and I had plenty of female friends. Yeah. We we had co-ed dorms, but we had film friends. You know what I'm saying? Like we had film friends. If we were on a baseball team, we would only be hanging out with guys. Yeah. And, it, and it, that, you can't discount that point of view just because you feel like it's not it's not about everybody. You're totally right. Damn right. Damn motherfucking That's right. right. That's right. Oh, man. And it's so great that, uh, that Richard Linklater's uh, idea of a baseball movie is one that... Uh, doesn't have baseball until about like the 90 minute mark yeah, towards the end. <laughs> and, and it's great mm-hmm. um actually I, I heard link letters i think say on wtf like the that baseball is one of the only sports that involves like a sociability and a camaraderie to it because of the time you spend on the dugout or you might have a conversation on first base with a member of the other team like which is interesting it just felt really great when they took the field and were all like in their practice uniforms and we felt like wow these guys have been hanging out the last couple days and uh they already seem like they're really close and it just it was just a cool vibe to, right right to see like this is what you hope a team is like yeah I've used the word vibe a couple times, but but this uh, is a vibey movie. It is a vibey movie. It's a like Richard movie. Linklater it's is, vibes. it's all about establishing the vibe. Yeah, and it's not well, about. Well, that's what slacker depends on because it has no story. It's a number of vignettes tied together by vibe. What's great is that you have two exclamation points in the title, yet Richard Linklater sort of refuses to punctuate any of his dramatic beats. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm into that. That was a good point. No, by no, no, me. that was a really good point. That was a fantastic <laughs> point. If uh, if Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton are both characters and everybody wants them, who's who? Are who? They? Yeah, who's who? Let's see. And and don't say Bernie Sanders is Willoughby because I feel like Willoughby has follow through. I feel like he actually would know how to bring some of his changes in. I think that Finn is Bernie Sanders. Finn. And that he has a lot. He has a lot of high thinking ideas, most of which are in the right place. But I don't think that he could ever write a dissertation on it. Hillary Clinton is, I think Hillary Clinton is Finn, just uh, totally adapting to whatever party uh, she's invited uh, to, you know. I, th- I think that makes her more of Dale. <laughs> they, I mean, they're all guilty, but Finn does have the scene where he talks about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I really have to use the restroom. Oh, so, we're done. Let's... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh.